Chapter Seventeen of I've Come to Stay, a love comedy of Bohemia by Mary Heaton Vorse. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Seventeen. The wind of chance had taken Camilla of the golden wings and the blue surge past, and Askoff the wandering flame and blown them together. It blew Camilla into Sinister Street set her hand upon Askoff's coat, and let the pawn-tickets drip at her feet like blood. At the sight of them Camilla's heart had melted. She didn't think of herself any more. She thought only of Sasha and his tragic sacrifices. Sasha, who, to please her, to be a moment with her, would starve himself in his cold and barren room. And there he lay, his right arm, by which he made his living, disabled and helpless, no one in the world to look after him but herself. Sasha was a solitary, he had few friends, he took no part in the wassails of the square, he had no uncertain and intermediate moods. His gaiety carried along every one with him, or else he lived plunged in darkness. Now that Camilla had come in, it seemed as though he had thrown away all care and all unhappiness forever. He didn't mind his broken arm, he seemed oblivious of the fact that his livelihood was taken away from him. His attic was a paradise, it was a garden." Camilla went home, not sure what she had promised him. The emotions of the day had lifted her up to a great height, and then left her stranded on a desolate shore, incapable of thinking or feeling much. She found Yolande sitting grey and distant before the fire, the embodiment of a dark conscience. Yolande, Camilla said, if I put a marigold in your collar, would you take it back to your master? A tear splashed on her hand as she said it. It seemed to her that this episode had happened a very long time ago, and that all the swift, flashing gaiety of life was gone. She felt, when she went to Sasha next day, as if she was going to some strange adventure in a far country, as if at last she was going into that uncharted land which was Sasha's, of which she had spoken to Ambrose. At the same time, she felt a deep responsibility toward his love. She went with a curious beating of her heart, wondering what it would mean. On her way she bought various things for his comfort, which made her rather late. The day before Sasha had been a prism which shattered the ordinary happenings of life into a thousand gay notes of color. Today he was dark. All the sorrows of Poland seemed concentrated in the gaze which he bent upon her. This filled her with impatience. The New England phrase, for heaven's sake, don't glomer like that, came into her mind, but she checked herself. "'Good morning, Sasha, dear,' she said. "'How do you feel?' "'Good morning,' he answered, his brooding gaze upon her. "'Don't you feel well?' she asked him, putting her hand on his head. "'Why should I?' he answered. "'Poor Sasha, are you worse?' she asked, in a voice filled with tenderness. "'You saw Ingraham yesterday,' he accused. A curious feeling of love and pity fluttered Camilla. The nakedness with which he showed his weakness and his love wrung her heart and for a treacherous moment she compared Sasha's desperate love with Ambrose's. Ambrose surrounded her with an atmosphere of tenderness and devotion. He loved her, but he had refused to go to dinner with her when she wanted to. How much she hated to admit to herself. Sasha was undivided in his love and concentrated. He wanted one thing and only one in life, and to attain that he would have brushed all small obligations aside like cobwebs. It was a powerful appeal. This all flashed like sudden light through Camilla's heart before she answered, No, I haven't seen Ambrose. I hardly ever see him now. Oh, Camilla, it was as if she had told him the kingdom of heaven was at hand. Forgive me, 
I can't help being jealous. I'm always jealous. When I can fight for myself, I don't mind the fortunes of war. But the torment of lying here when he has everything on his side? Camilla, you don't know what it is to lie still, with your heart burning a hole in you hour after hour. No, said Camilla humbly, I don't. Are you going to see him today? he asked. No, I'm not, suddenly she decided. I'm not going to see him again for a long time. Do you mean it? he cried. Yes, yes, I mean it. Oh, Camilla, I wish I could play to you what I feel. I'd play something so gay, Camilla. But I don't care if I never play again as long as you're with me. You swear you have given him up? He cast a dark look of suspicion at her. Yes, I swear. What if you should meet him on the street? Why, then I'd say, how do you do, and go on. You wouldn't stop to talk while I'm lying here sick? No, no, she cried. Be at rest, Sasha. Don't let's talk about it. I shall go if you talk like this any more. He caught her hand. I'll be good, he promised. By wounding and alienating Ambrose, she was able to keep her promise to Sasha. But this helped little. When she wasn't with him, jealousy devoured him. There are some people who, in love, are a profession in themselves. Askoff was one of these. He pervaded Camilla's life. His curious fingers wanted to pry in all the secret places of her soul. He wanted every thought of her mind, every beat of her heart, and in turn he was rewarding and lovely or dark and awful. Sasha's strangeness, his restless love for her, her feeling of obligation to him, the very peril she felt in his intense and smouldering affection, absorbed the hours of her life. It was not, Camilla was conscious, as though he were supplanting Ambrose, but as though he were shutting her away from him, as though her love for Ambrose went on living its happy existence somewhere else where Camilla could not see it. End of chapter 17 Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine